Good morning. It's good to see some old friends, strangers, friends from the past. Good morning. Well, welcome. Um, it's nice to have you all with us, and I'm glad that we can open up God's Word together and uh, encourage one another in that Word and meditate on what He has to say to us today. So please open your Bibles to Psalm 131. We're going to be in the Old Testament this morning, and if you're using the Pew Bible, this can be found on page 519. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV, and this version entitles the psalm, I Have Calmed and Quieted My Soul. So let's hear God's Word together. This is Psalm 131. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart, is lo- my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child with its mother is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let us pray. Father, we ask today that you would help us not only to hear the word, but that you would give us such understanding that we might be changed, that we might lay aside our pride, calm our hearts, and encourage others to do the same. So do this for your own glory. Amen. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is living in quiet submission to the Lord. Living in quiet submission to the Lord. So living, how are we going about our lives? What are we doing? Quiet, quietly, with tranquil hearts, hearts that are at peace, and submission to the Lord. Humble obedience to the will and to the providence of God for our lives. So living in quiet submission to the Lord. But it can almost go without saying that daily, if not hourly, we find our hearts agitated, perturbed, and bothered. We are unsettled about this situation or that situation. Someone or something has got your feathers, uh, has ruffled your feathers, and now you're flustered and upset. Something has bent you out of shape. But let me ask you, what are you doing about this? How are you going about trying to cure this perturbed heart? What do you see as the reasons or the reason for this? Well, to make any headway in this, we are going to have to get to a cause. We need to find out what's going on. And as Christians, we know that there could be many things that are causing agitation of our hearts. But we're only going to cover one this morning, and it's a very important one. The scriptures tell us that a major source of agitation for our hearts is our own pride. Thinking too much of yourself, arrogance, haughtiness, self-exaltation. Pride is a major reason that our hearts become agitated and unsettled. We, before the Lord, we're not living in quiet submission to Him, but because of pride, We are like agitated infants when it's feeding time. 
And so in this passage, we are going to be counseled not only how to be putting off our pride and putting our hearts into a calm state, but once we have done that, how we can go and serve others and help them quiet their hearts. So we're focusing on living in quiet submission to the Lord. And our first point is that to do this, we must uh, rid ourselves of pride. We must rid ourselves of pride. So look with me again at Psalm 131. The psalmist says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. So we find the psalmist in communion with God, talking to God. He's musing over his heart. These are my thoughts. This is the state of my heart. But notice how he does this. He states the condition of his heart by what he is not doing. My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great for me. Now, this is in the ESV, but numerous other versions read something like this. My heart is not proud. My eyes are not arrogant. And this is the idea that's being conveyed here. A heart lifted up, eyes raised too high are descriptions of pride. And the psalmist is saying right now that pride does not have a hold on my heart. But he also gives us further information why he is not proud. He says that he does not occupy himself with things too great and too marvelous for him. And this word occupy, it tells us a lot. It tells us what he means. In the underlying Hebrew language, this word or verb is actually the same verb that's used to describe the idea of walking. Only in this form, it means something like pace back and forth. And so the psalmist's mind is not pacing back and forth. It's not occupied or preoccupied or disquieted by what he calls things too great and too marvelous for me. And so he understands his limitations. He's not proud. He's not exalting himself. In fact, he's rejoicing about this satisfying state before God. And so the psalmist sets forth before us a proper example of what it's like to live in quiet submission to the Lord by what he's not doing. He's not being full of pride. He's not occupying himself with things too great and too marvelous for him. He rids himself of his pride and the agitation caused by that pride. In his uh, Treasury of David, a commentary on the Psalms, Charles Spurgeon says this about the Psalm that we are looking at. Quote, Comparing all the Psalms to gems... We should liken this one to a pearl. It's one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. It speaks of a young child, but it contains the experience of a man in Christ. Lowliness and humility are here seen in connection with a sanctified heart, a will subdued to the mind of God. Happy is the man who can, without falsehood, use these words as his own, for he wears about him the likeness of his Lord, who said, I am meek and lowly at heart. End quote. So Spurgeon is saying that we will be happy if we can use these beautiful, pearl-like uh, words in this psalm as our own as we address the Lord. Lord, my heart is not proud. We will be happy living in quiet submission to the Lord. We will be like Christ who is meek and lowly. 
Now, first of all, I have no doubt that if you're a Christian here this morning, you can relate to this song. You know what it's like to live in a humble state before God, and, and you know what kind of enjoyable state that is. And you're going to have an ongoing experience of this. The Spirit guarantees it. He will finish what he has started. But at the same time, we need to admit that we have a constant battle with pride. Our hearts manufacture all kinds of desires, all kinds of thoughts and words and actions that are full of pride. We have patterns in our lives that are full of pride and arrogance. We go through seasons where pride and arrogance seem to be much stronger. And what we're trying to do here this morning is become more consistent in living in quiet submission to the Lord. And we can see that, you know, already that Spurgeon is right. It's one of the, the shortest psalms to read, but it's the longest to learn. But if we're going to make some advancement in this, and if we, uh, we, we're going to make some headway, we need to be open and talk about our pride. We need to bring those things to mind. So what ways are you struggling with pride? What are the things that are too great and too marvelous for you that are preoccupying your minds and your lives? Well, two major categories come to mind. One is this, exalting ourselves to be God or exalting ourselves before others. In pride, we pretend that we are God or we pretend before others that we are something other than we are. And so our pride is try, constantly trying to make us into something we are not. We are not God, and we are not something other than what we are. Now, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but there's an old staple singer song. It's called Be What You Are, My Friend. But how are we trying to be like God? While our hearts are fretting over and disquieted over what? Over our health, over our finances, the state of the world loved ones, but we end up trying to handle these situations as if we are God. We try to take control of them and manipulate them. We, we run around busily trying to work out the providence of God for our lives. We, we try to peer into the mysteries of God. We try to solve all the problems that are past our grasp. And you see how this agitates our hearts, causing them to pace back and forth. And we will never be able to do this. I mean, we're way out of our league here. And we need to admit that this is pride. We need to admit that there are things too great and too marvelous for us. And we need to prevent our minds from going there. Right now, we're kind of under this illusion that all we need is like a podcast, an article, maybe a video, a couple searches, and we can understand just about anything. But this is what, listen to what Jesus said in his humanity. This is Jesus in his humanity. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That's what we're like in our humanity. You, we have limited knowledge. And we have to be okay with that. Be what you are, my friend. But there's this other problem. We exalt ourselves before others. And here's a quote from one author that has a bit of a sting to it. Every person thinks more of themselves than God does. Every person thinks more of themselves than God does. 
ouch. We believe that we're the best of this or the best of that. We believe that we're better than others. We act condescending toward each other. We become domineering. We want position and influence in the chief seat, as one person said. We judge others so that we can show ourselves better than them. We spread lies about others so that we can remain exalted. We point out others' faults just to show that we are better. We find ourselves not being able to work with others because all we need is me. And in all of this, we are disquieting and agitating our hearts. We, we are desperately trying to prove to others and show to others that we are the best student, the best theologian, the best mother, the best Sunday school teacher, the best looking, the best whatever. You fill in the blank. And Satan loves to set up this kind of detour for us in our thinking. He says, like, think this way. But in his mastery and his trickery, he'll never set up another sign to get around the detour. Another thing we do is we try to work at things at which we are not qualified, things that are unfit for us. Rather than being content in the sphere that God has given us, we pursue something else that is not ours. And this is a form of pride. And we're not talking about here an innocent person, you know, say a new Christian who's trying to figure out what their gifts are. This is what we're talking about here is... We're talking about a form of pride where you actually believe that you're something that you're not. And we cannot have all the gifts that everyone else has. Others will have more knowledge than we have. But our hearts pace back and forth with this. But the Lord is telling us, I have given good gifts to you, fitting for you. They will bear good fruit. The Lord is telling us, be what you are, my friend. Be what you are. So pride troubles our hearts. But we need to be satisfied that we're not God, and we need to be satisfied with what the Lord has given us. We need to put off pride in both those areas. And this is the happy state that this psalmist finds himself in. My heart is not proud. I'm not occupying myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. This is the good state that we want to move ourselves to. But we're going to need some help to calm and quiet our hearts from all this noise that pride brings. And so we can turn there. So we're focusing on living in quiet submission to the Lord. And that first point, we have seen that we must put off pride. And now in the second point, we're going to look at that we must quiet our hearts because pride has agitated them. So look at verse 2. The psalmist says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. So in the first place, we had heard what was absent in his soul, pride. But now we see what is present. What is in his soul? Tranquility. He has calmed and quieted his soul. He has, he has migrated his soul from a state of agitation that caused by pride to a state of peace and tranquility. And the imagery that he uses to describe this is fittingly expressive. He says that he's calmed and quieted his soul like a weaned child with its mother. He has calmed his soul like children who no longer nurse. They have been weaned. In other words, that stage of agitation that an infant has with its mother upset until it's fed, that stage is now over. And the psalmist is saying, I'm not fussing before God. 
He's at rest with the Lord, just as a child who sits comfortably in the lap of its mother. And so the psalmist sets forth a proper example of what it's like to live in quiet submission to the Lord by what he is doing. He's quieting his heart and resting contently in the Lord. And the idea of this analogy is this, that the pride makes us agitated and we need to be weaned off of our pride. Pride makes us agitated. We need to be weaned off our pride and resting comfortably in the arms of the Lord. But if we're going to apply this to our lives, we must notice what the psalmist is doing. He's intentionally calming and quieting his soul. You have a responsibility to do this. You must intentionally work at calming and quieting your soul. And so how do we do that? How do we calm and quiet our hearts from the agitation of pride? Well, in the case where we're agitated because we're trying to be God, we can calm our hearts by drawing near to Him. You know, parents often say, I wish I had some kind of break or a relief from all the troubles in this family. And in this passage, God is saying, you have that. All God's children have that. God is saying that you do have a place of rest for your souls, and it's me. The Lord is telling you that he's busy arranging all your circumstances for, good, for, for your good, and you can rest comfortably in his lap. I mean, just think about how the apostle Peter brought these ideas of humility and resting in God together. He said this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And here we have humility and rest together. We cast all our anxieties on him, and we don't have them anymore. We cast all our cares on him, and we go to sleep at night. We know our heavenly parent is looking after us. He cares for us. He's working all things for our good. And even though the, the whole world around us, there's all this turmoil, we have inner peace. We draw near to him through his word and receive the blessing of rest. We quiet and calm our hearts by drawing near to him. We sit with him and rest in a warm embrace like a mother with her weaned child. But in the case where we're exalting ourselves before others, I want to talk about a couple principles. Quite often, the agitation of pride arises when we find out that we are not better than others, or that we don't have the gifts that we thought we have. And then the agitation rises, and then your hearts get in turmoil. We agitatedly try to retain that self-exaltation and carry on in gifts that we don't have. And so how do we calm our hearts at this point? How do we get to this state where we say, Oh Lord, my heart is not proud. I'm not thinking of things too great and too marvelous for me. What do we actively do? Well, agitation is kind of like a clue or a key indicator that's meant to help you trace back to the underlying problem. In order to calm your heart, you need to be doing some active introspective work. We need to turn our thoughts inward and look into our hearts. We need to meditate and contemplate and think at a deeper level what is going on. And you're going to need others to help you in this. You need others to help you draw out what's in your heart. And it should never be the case that we are experts at searching the internet. 
but we are unskilled at searching our own hearts. We need to trace back to where the problem is. You know, maybe you've exalted yourself because you're trying to compensate for some kind of weakness or something you don't like about yourself. Maybe you've bought, some worldly ide- bought, bought into some worldly ideas, like you can be whatever you want to be. Maybe when you were a child, you didn't get the attention you deserved. Or maybe when you were a child, you got all the attention, and now you're not getting it. Maybe there are multiple reasons. But the point I'm getting at here is that we must calm our hearts, and we need to be tracing back um, from the agitation to a root cause. We need to do some hard, inward work. And when we uncover the cause, we need to confess our sin to God and to others if we need to do that. We need to come up with a plan about what we're going to do from now on. And this is all part of calming our hearts and quieting our hearts from the agitation of pride. We need some kind of calming that's going to last, something that can't be found in alcohol or drugs or distraction or running away or taking flight. We often grasp at tranquility, but not lasting tranquility, and we need to use the means appointed to us. But we also need to recognize that God is at work. We need to recognize that God brings situations into our lives to remove our self-exaltation. He brings situations and people into our lives to kind of blow up and dismantle these systems of pride that we have set up in our life. And he's working on you so that you can rest in gentle, humble submission to him. We, We calm ourselves by seeing God at work. But we must also, if we're intentionally to, uh, to calm our hearts, we need to guard ourselves from making the situation worse. When God brings these situations into our life, how do we make them worse? Well, one way is that we can kind of tweak our self-exaltation so that it still works. Maybe I'm not the best Sunday school teacher, but I'm the best younger Sunday school teacher. And we kind of like redesign our self-exaltation so that we can still have it. You might also become competitive and put ourselves in overdrive. I know this, and I'm going to prove it, and I'm going to show everybody, and I'm going to show myself. And you end up in this kind of delusional pursuit. You end up agitating yourself, agitating your family and friends and loved ones. But instead of doing these things, we need to be willing participants in the work that God is doing in our lives, removing the pride and calming our hearts. We do not want to remain stubborn in our self-exaltation. Mark Futado has helpfully said that arrogance and quietness cannot occupy the same space together. But in contrast, humility and quietness are roommates. But getting ourselves to the point where we are like a weaned child in the lap of its mother will take intentional work. The psalmist said, I have calmed and quieted my soul. I mean, even when we're reading and listening, The the psalmist is bearing his heart here. This is after he's struggled. This is after he's wrestled with himself. Calming our hearts takes work. It takes intentional work. But the result is that we arrive in the safe arms of God. We can live in calm confidence before him. So we're focusing on living in quiet submission to the Lord. And in the first point, we have seen that we must put off pride And in the second, we have seen that we must quiet our hearts. And in this last point, we're going to see that once we have done that, we must turn and encourage others to hope in God and help them 
quiet their hearts. So look at the last verse, verse 3 with me. It says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So notice a transition takes place. Even though the psalmist is still talking to God, he now changes his focus from himself to others. He was saying, this is the state of my heart, but now he in turns and addresses the people of God. And remember, the psalmist is at rest with the Lord. He stopped thinking about things too great for him, and he has put on tranquility. And now that has inspired him to turn and encourage others to do the same. He wants others to rest in the Lord, especially when their hearts are disquieted. His own soul has renewed hope, and now he desires to instill that hope in others. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And so the psalmist sets forth a proper example of what results from living in quiet submission to the Lord. He encourages others to hope in the Lord as well. One thing many people are talking about today is working from rest towards rest. And whether this means daily or weekly rest or it means taking a couple weeks to recharge your batteries, the idea is that strength comes from your rest. When you are renewed and when you're strengthened, that enables you to work and to serve. And the idea is much in common, has much in common with what we're talking about here. In other words, placing our own hearts in a position of hope helps others hope as well. We are blessed to bless. And when we rid ourselves of pride and calm our hearts, one outcome is that we become hopeful and then we can instill that hope in others. But how does that work? How do we do this? How, do, how does putting aside pride and calming our hearts give us hope to instill hope in others? Well, once our agitation is broken, hope can be instilled in us in several ways. When we are assured of the Lord's forgiveness, that gives us hope. The situation seems bleak until we realize God forgives us. We confess, God, my eyes are lofty. My heart is lifted up. I'm thinking too much of myself. But his forgiveness makes us hopeful. That God is working for our good, that gives us hope. Once we see that this agitating situation was actually brought by God to unearth and remove the pride in our hearts, then our situation becomes hopeful. Something good is happening to us here. When God reminds us that He is God and we are not, that gives us hope. Our limitations and, limit, uh, uh, and limited knowledge are no longer sources of agitation. We know that God knows best and we leave that up to Him. When He reminds us to use the gifts that he has given us. That gives us hope. We do not pretend to be something we are not. We are reminded that using our gifts, exercised in quiet submission to him, will bring him honor and be used to build his kingdom. And so when this quiet submission has got hold of our souls, we realize how wonderfully beautiful and satisfying the Lord is, how wonderful His providence is for our lives. We realize how much hope is in Him for the future and for our future, not just now, but eternally. And by hoping in the Lord, we realize that our fulfillment is not in the aspirations that pride will bring, but we realize that our longings and our anticipations, our desires and our hopes for the future are really in the Lord's future for us. And what Christ has saved us for, where he is taking us, and both now and eternally. But then because that hope is so great, 
we can't contain that hope within ourselves. We desire that others hope. We turn to others and say, hope in the Lord, brothers and sisters, hope in the Lord. I mean, just think for a moment how your attitude changes with others when you have dealt with your pride. On the one hand, you're not using others to glorify yourself. You're not holding up your glory and say, hey, praise me. On the other hand, you are not hating them because, they, you want to, because you want the gifts that they have. You're no longer driving them away or seeking their harm because you want to get rid of them and have what they want. Rather, you're okay with them having those gifts. God gave them to them. We change. We are now encouraging one another towards a peaceful, tranquil heart, a heart that's resting in the lap of our heavenly parent. Our view changes, and now we begin to minister to people. We lay down our lives so that they would have hope. We want them to rest in quiet submission to the Lord. One thing I haven't mentioned about this psalm is that it's part of a collection of the psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And you can see that in the title. And so in our Bibles, there's a collection of them. There's 15 of them from Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134. And in ancient Israel, according to law, Israelites would make a pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem at least three times a year. And they would come for the three major festivals, Passover, Feast of Weeks, and Feast of Booths. And as they were traveling, they would sing songs. And this song we're looking at today is one that they would sing. They would sing this song as they were ascending and traveling to Jerusalem. This was the song they sang to instill hope in each other. I mean, how can we model that? Let us likewise sing this song to each other and give each other hope. Let us be hopeful for each other. Let us be hopeful that our brothers and sisters too will bear humility and hope in the Lord. Let us come alongside each other when our hearts are disquieted. And all of this is meant to be an ongoing process in our lives. You see what the psalmist says there in the last verse? Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Not only do this today, but tomorrow and the next day. A constant pattern we need to have in our lives is put off pride, put on tranquility, serve others. Put off pride, put on tranquility, and serve others. And by doing this, we'll be growing in our living in quiet submission to the Lord. We bring hope to our own hearts and we instill this hope in others. So we're focusing on living in quiet submission to the Lord. We have seen that it necessitates putting off pride, it necessitates quieting our hearts, and now we've seen that it necessitates encouraging others. Well, what can we say in conclusion? Well, I'm going to end the way that a preacher ended his sermon decades ago. And that's by encouraging us all, you and me together, that living in quiet submission to the Lord is attainable. This psalm belongs in a category of psalm called Psalms of Confidence. And we should gain confidence here. The assumption of this psalm is that all of this is possible. This is not something past our grasp, but the psalmist as the psalmist could attain it, so can we. He was a person the same as us. And a very helpful place to turn to reassure us of this confidence is the Gospel of Mark in chapters 9 and 10. 
Jesus and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem. And Jesus is about, is about to give his life in humble submission to the Father's will. But along the way, he has to deal with the pride of his disciples. In chapter 9, we, we find them asking, who's the greatest? And in chapter 10, we find, who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to sit at your left hand? Who, who's going to get the prestige and the power? And so we see them in their pride. And he tells them, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. I mean, you see how that parallels with our psalm. We set aside our pride and serve others. And Jesus, he sets all kinds of examples for this. Even when he arrives at Jerusalem, it was said of him, Behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey. And Christ said explicitly, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. But he also said more to them, didn't he? He also told them that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. We don't just need his example. We need his death and his resurrection. We need to be united in his death and resurrection. We need to die to him, and our pride needs to die to him and in him, and we need to be raised in him and with him. And without this, it is impossible to free our lives from pride and self-exaltation. But we assuredly do this by trust in him. We place our faith in Christ, who is gentle and merciful in our pride. He took the penalty for our pride, and he sent the Spirit to wean us. And this is the very essence of our being weaned. This is where it all starts, and this is the source of it all. This is the weaning of all weanings. This is the reason for attainability. At the very heart of us, we've been weaned from our old selves. We are a new creation in Christ. So when we seek to put off pride, put on tranquility, and serve others, we are working out of the salvation already giving, given to us. We are not earning this. We are now acting according to our true nature. We are children of God. And as a weaned child, you will bear the fruit of living in quiet submission to him. So be encouraged. There is confidence here. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you have been merciful to us in our pride, and you continue to be. Thank you for sending your Son. And Jesus, we thank you for both giving us an example of living in humble submission and dying that we might live. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ongoing work to wean us off pride, quiet our hearts, and help us serve others. Help us do this today. In Christ's name, amen.